If you have your Bible, if you have your Bible, I want to I want to take you to two different portions of Scripture. Uh, we're going to start with one and kind of kind of uh, launch off of it into Romans. Uh, go to John three sixteen. John three sixteen. You you probably already know it, uh, uh, but but we're going to read sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen. And then we're going to jump over there to Romans chapter number five. Romans chapter number five. Uh, I really, I really want to talk to you today. If you don't know this Jesus we're singing about, I really want to talk to you today. If you're not saved, if you've never been redeemed, you say, preacher, what does that mean? If you've never placed your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to talk to you today. If you've never, if you've never believed on him and accepted his forgiveness and repented of your sins and come to know the Lord as your Savior, I, I, I want to talk to you today. And, and if you have, I, I want to talk to you too. Because when we, when we learn about God's grace, have mercy. Uh, we, we are fixing to have our Easter services, our Easter weekend, and we put a lot of time and effort and, 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 and money into making that a big deal. And, and the big deal is not making it a big deal so we can be the biggest deal in town. Has nothing to do with that. Has nothing to do with saying we've got a certain number that came this weekend. We had so-and-so, you know, thousand people. And, and, and so we can, no, 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 no. You, you totally, totally miss it if you think that's what it's all about. And, and we, are really, we are really encouraging you to get these invite cards and get your friends, get your loved ones, get your acquaintances, get the people at work, get the people at school, people who do not know Jesus, and get them to this place because, listen, salvation is needed. It don't matter who you are. You say, I've been a good person. That's irrelevant. <clears throat> That's irrelevant, and we'll learn, we'll learn that today. Jesus is speaking to a pretty religious guy. His name is Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to the Lord in John chapter number 3. Now, you got to understand, he's not just an ordinary. He is a highly regarded religious leader. He's going, listen, he knows the law. He knows Scripture. He knows about God, if you will. Uh, been going to a temple for a while that didn't have no glory in it. If you say, what are you talking about? In the Old Testament, we know that the glory of the Lord departed out of the temple. So they were basically going to church where there was no God. They had all the semblance. They had, they had all of the pomp and circumstance. They had all of the fluff, but there was no presence. But he was religious, and he thought he was okay that Jesus showed up. And when Jesus showed up, Jesus did things he'd never seen before. Jesus was doing things, and, and he said, listen, listen, I've been going to church all my life, and I ain't never seen nothing like this. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. Something's different about you. I go to church every week, but there's something different about you. I go through the rituals and the traditions, but there's something different about you. Hey, there's something different about him. There's churches all over America. There's churches all over America that are dead. There's churches all over America with a steeple on the roof, pews in the, in, in the floor, a pulpit on the stage, but there's no presence of God there. And Nicodemus knew there was something different about this man, Jesus. He comes to him in the night and says, We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest 
And Jesus says, ye must be born again. I mean, he just lays it out, just lays it out plain to him. You got to be saved. You got to be saved. Your spirit must be born again. He talks about a physical death, or excuse me, a physical birth, then a spiritual birth. If you've only been born one time, you'll never make it into heaven. If all you know is your physical birth, listen, you'll never make it into heaven. He says your spirit must be reborn. That part that died in the garden with Adam and Eve, it must be reborn. And he is, he is continuing this conversation with him. And he says here in verse number 16, John three sixteen. are you there? Amen. For God so loved the world. Are you happy about that? Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever <clears throat> believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever. I'm glad I'm a whosoever. I'm glad, I'm glad my portfolio doesn't determine whether I get in or not. I, I, I'm going to run a rabbit. Let's keep reading. Amen. He says everybody, everybody must be saved. Everybody must be born again. Everybody needs to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 17, he explains why. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Watch now, watch now. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Here's here's our point. But he that believeth not is condemned. What's the next word? Already. Already condemned. Say that with me. Already condemned. Say it with me. Already condemned. Without Jesus, we're already condemned. Before you make it to your first church service, you're already condemned. Already. Now turn with me to Romans 5. Romans 5, verse number 12. Just a couple verses and I'll let you sit down. We'll read verse 12, verse 15, verse 17. Wherefore, as by one man... Sin entered into the world. Now, this is not sins. It's sin. The condition of sin. We sin, plural, because we have the condition of sin. You understand? I don't lie to be a sinner. Are you all with me? I lie because I am a sinner. I was born with this condition of sin. Does this make sense? He says there, Jesus said man is condemned already. Why? Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, this is Adam we know in the garden, and death by sin. So death has passed upon all men. How many? All All mankind. For that all have, verse 15, verse 15. From Romans 1 to here, we find he is explaining to us that we're in bad shape. We're we're in a bad way. Mankind is in trouble. Mankind has a condition of sin. Verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, that's Adam and all of us, much more, say those two words with me, much more, the grace of God, the grace, the grace of, I can't wait to get to number three. The grace of God and the gift by grace 
which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Verse 17. Verse 17. In other words, one man did wrong and damned everybody and condemned everybody. Then one man came and did right. Verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, was that word? Much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And here's where I want to preach. Here's where I want to preach. Verse 20. Moreover, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, I said where sin abounded, grace, grace, marvelous Amazing grace did much more abound. Somebody say amen. Father, help us today. Give me the ability to deliver your word in such a way that everyone can understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you've ever experienced the grace of God, you'll know why people are getting excited in this building this morning. Listen, I, I, I want to I make it plain and simple. I want to make it plain and simple to everybody that's in this room. I want everybody to understand, we all are guilty. In Romans chapter number 1, Paul is explaining it in great detail how the world is guilty before God. The world, there's no excuse. We have no excuses. Even creation teaches us that there is a God. Even creation tells us that something, if there is a creation, there's got to be a creator. Say amen. And from chapter 1 through chapter 3, we find out that we are guilty. Mankind is guilty. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if you're taking notes, write this down. We're we're going to go kind of fast so we can hunker down in number 3. First of all, write this down. I want you to see the introduction of guilt. The introduction of guilt. What took place? In the very beginning, God made everything, and it was good. God made man and put him in a garden. God made man and gave him the ability to choose. God put man in this garden and said, listen, you can have any fruit that you want. You can have any tree that you want. But there's one that I don't want you to mess with. And that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, you can have them all, but don't mess with that one. And gave him the ability to choose right or wrong. Gave him the ability to choose to disobey or obey. And we all know what happened. We all know what happened. He said, in the day that you eat of this fruit, ye shall surely die. Now, did he physically die? No. We know that he lived many, many, many years after that in his physical body. It wasn't his physical body. Was it his soul? The Bible says that man was formed out of the dust of the ground, and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. Now, that means never dying. So we know his soul could not die. So it wasn't his physical body that died. It wasn't his soul that died. It was his spirit, that part that connected with God, that part that had an awareness of God and a connection with God. It died in the garden. Why do you think God came calling, Adam, 
That connection was broken. His spirit died. That part that connected with God. Now, here's the thing. When Jesus ran into Nicodemus, when Jesus ran into Nicodemus, that's why he said, ye must be born again. Nicodemus couldn't understand that because he was thinking carnally and not spiritually. He was thinking about a physical birth. He said, how could a man go back into his mother's womb and be uh, born again and have that birth again? He said, you don't even have a clue what you're talking about. I'm not talking about a physical birth. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. Are you all with me so far? Because of what happened in the garden, because of what happened in the garden, Adam's sin brought sin, the condition of sin, upon all mankind. All mankind. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. We're a sinner. I don't care how good you are. We're a sinner. I don't care how long you've been in church. You're a sinner. I don't care how much Bible you know. If you've told a lie, you're a sinner. If I was to have everybody raise your hand if you've ever told a lie and some of you didn't, you just did. Are y'all with me? The source of guilt. In other words, you didn't have to go do something to become a sinner. You were born a sinner. David said it this way. David said it this way. He said, behold, Psalms 51, 5. Psalms 51, 5. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. He said, I arrived into this world broken. James chapter 2 verse 10. He describes it this way. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. And what that means, it makes him a lawbreaker. Even if it was what we would classify as a little law. If it was just a little white lie, it was something that's so innocent, we say, we, we try to justify our sin. If we do that, then we are a sinner. We are a lawbreaker. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The introduction of guilt. Man was doing wonderful and man disobeyed and guilt has fallen upon all mankind. I heard a lady say one time, a senior lady in the church I used to pastor, she said, oh, preacher, I've always been a Christian. I've always been a Christian. Listen, ma'am, I don't care your heritage. I had a preaching daddy and a shouting mama, but I was born a sinner. I went to Christian school. I went to Bible school. I went to Sunday school every week of my life. I knew all about the Bible. I wore a suit. I quoted scripture, but I was born a sinner. I was born a sinner. There's no scales up in heaven. There's no scales up in heaven that's going to weigh your good and weigh your bad. It's not going to be determined by what you do down here on this earth. It's going to get you into heaven. It's going to be by what he did on the cross of Calvary. It is not by works lest any man should boast. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Say amen. We're guilty. We're guilty. There's no way around it. There's no way over it. There's no way under it. There's no way to dismiss it. We are guilty. If you've ever been angry without a cause, you're a sinner. Hello? We all, is this, is this, do I have to even go any further with this? Are we all clear? We're guilty. We're guilty. The introduction of guilt, the source of guilt is Adam. The scope of this guilt is all mankind. We inherited it. 
everybody's born into sin. Well, I tell you what, I think, I, I think sin is a learned trait. Really? Really? I, I, my daughter, who's married now, and she's out of, out, out, she lives in North Carolina, and, and so I can talk about her, say amen. <clears throat> when she's a little old bitty thing, and I've told this story a hundred times, but it fits right here. When she's a little old bitty thing, about the age you say, uh-huh or uh-uh, whatever age that is, I don't remember, but it was uh-huh, uh-huh. That's all she has about her vocabulary. She was standing in front of a truck that I owned, and I had a tag on the front of my truck. And it, was, it was a plastic tag, and she was messing with it. It snapped, broke right in half. And I'm sitting there watching her. And she turns around and looks at me with them big old eyes, and, and I said, Jordan, did you break my tag? She said, uh-uh. <laughs> she never been to school to learn how to lie. We didn't send her to the lying academy. Where did she learn to do that? It was her nature. We are born with a sin nature that we receive from Adam in the garden. Does this make sense? So, we're guilty. We're guilty. Now, we see the introduction of guilt. Number two, we see the intervention of God. Say amen. How many of y'all are glad God intervened on the situation? We see the intervention of God. Look in verse number 20. Look in verse number 20. I'm about to get happy right here. Right here. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. How did God intervene in this thing? Two things I want you to write underneath this. God intervened first by sending the law. He sent the law. How many of y'all remember uh, 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 in the Bible where God sent the law to the nation of Israel on Mount Sinai? Okay, if you don't remember that, how many of y'all remember Charles and Heston in the movie, all right? Come on, get with me. I'm going to relate with you one way or another, amen? God sent the law. Why did he send the law? To reveal our sin. To show us that we are sinners. The law could not save. You with me? The law could not save. It's not by the deeds of the law. It says this in Romans 3.20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. In other words, he did not send the law to save me. He sent the law so I would know I needed to be saved. Are y'all with me? So you can go ahead and keep your record books if you want. You can keep all the times you kept the law and you was a good person all you want. But keeping the law won't get you in. Because it was never for that purpose to begin with. It says in Romans 7, 7, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Do you see how this works? The law is our teacher. Galatians three twenty four. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. What does that mean? The purpose of the law was to make sin exceedingly sinful. Let me illustrate it. Let me illustrate it. How many of you, how many of you have ever got a speeding ticket before? <clears throat> See, y'all are sinners now. You're lying in the house of the Lord. You know you've had tickets and you didn't raise your hand. A ticket. Now, what is a ticket? A ticket is a consequence. A ticket is a consequence. A consequence of what? Of breaking the 
law. What is the law? A law says, thou shalt only go 55. <laughs> Are y'all with me? They want you to understand that going 75 is a bad thing. It is exceedingly sinful. It is exceedingly sinful. I promise you, it's exceedingly over $200. When I saw the cost, I said, this is exceedingly sinful. Are y'all with me now? I'm glad I can figure out a way to relate to you people. Amen. The law says, the law teaches me that going that fast is wrong. That's not a good thing. God's law came to teach us that we need a Savior. The law came to teach us that we are lawless creatures, that we have a hard time keeping the law. We have a hard time doing right. We can't do it without Him. The law did not come to save me. The law came to teach me that I needed to be saved. Why does a man go to the doctor? He has these symptoms. He has symptoms that causes him to do something about it. The law is the symptom. The law is what teaches us and shows us, hey, I'm in need of a Savior. I am in need of a Savior. The law did not come to save. It came to reveal. Are y'all with me? God sent the law. It said the law entered that sin might abound, that we could see the wickedness of it, that we could see the sinfulness of it. We could see the condition that we are in. You cannot get saved till you get lost. And you cannot get lost without the law because it is the law that teaches us that we are lost. How are we lost? We've broken the Do you see how this works? God intervened in the situation by sending the law. But where the law came, hallelujah, where the law came short, he then sent the Lord. He first sent the law to teach us that we needed a Savior. Then he sent the Lord to fulfill the law, to do what we could not do, to live the perfect life, to live the righteous life, to live the holy life. And when what we could not do, Jesus did for us. Say amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son. It says, listen, God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You say, why would a loving God send anybody to hell? A loving God has never sent nobody to hell. A loving God sent his only begotten son to die on a cross so you could escape hell, so you could miss the judgment to come. Somebody say, man, that God intervened in the situation. God came down and did something about it. When he seen man in his sin, he came down and intervened. Thank God he intervened. Now, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to try in this third point. I want you to see the introduction of guilt. Can we all see we're guilty? How about it, Balcony? Can we see we're guilty? Are you glad Jesus, he intervened in the situation? Number three. (laughs) Number three. We not only see the introduction of guilt, we see the intervention of God. But I want you to see the increase of grace. The increase of grace. The increase of grace. Where grace, listen, where sin did abound. 
grace. Say that word with me. Grace. Say it again. Grace. Isn't that a wonderful word? Amen. Some people get mercy and grace confused. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not going to hell. Grace is getting to go to heaven. Grace is unmerited favor. It's unmerited kindness. It's unmerited. In other words, we didn't do anything to earn it. We didn't do anything to get it. God did it because he wanted to. Grace. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Listen, it's because of God's grace that we're not in hell today. It's because of God's grace that we have an opportunity to make it to heaven. It's because of God's grace that every sin we've ever committed, everything we've ever done wrong, every, listen, every bad thing, every bad thought, every dirty deed, every single thing is washed white as snow. Somebody say amen. I want you to see, write this, just two things right here. I want you to see the place of grace. The place of grace. It says where, where sin abounds. What is the place of grace? When we say the place of grace, we always typically think the church, right? Oh, the place of grace. But that's not, that's not as accurate as we need to be in this situation. You say, where is the place of grace? Wherever you find sin, you find grace. You say, where is the place of grace? You'll find grace in the crack house. You'll find grace in a meth house. You'll find grace in the poor house. Amen. We need some grace in the White House. Hey, wherever you are, Wherever you're in need, wherever you find sin, you'll find grace. You'll find grace in the bar room. You'll find grace in the pool hall. You'll find grace everywhere you find sin. You'll find grace. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you are. If there is sin that needs to be dealt with, thank God Almighty, you'll find the grace of God. The grace of God will go where Christians won't even go. The place of grace is wherever grace is needed. We got so many self-righteous Stuck up Christians that think they're holier than thou and they wouldn't go. Let me tell you something. Everywhere you find Jesus in the Bible, he was with sinners. And he was with bad sinners. He was with dirty sinners. You know why? Because where you find sin, you'll find grace. Somebody ought to shout right there. Thank God for the grace of God. The place of grace. Listen, not only the place of grace, but watch this. This is good. Y'all with me? The plenty of grace. The plenty. When, when, I, when I read this, I, I did 10 jumping jacks right there, right away. Spiritual, Holy Ghost filled, excited. I, I'm telling you. What does this mean? Where grace, or excuse me, where sin did abound. Where you find sin. <clears throat> where you find the abundance of sin here. Where you find sin located and prevalent. The places that you find sin. Then it says this. Where sin did abound, grace did. Say it again. Say it again. That word means a superabundance of. 
Do you understand what that means? That no, <laughs> that no matter, that no matter the amount of sin. <laughs> Y'all ain't getting it. Let me come over here. <clears throat> Do we have any sinners over here who can understand what I'm saying? No matter the amount of sin, there will always be more grace. At no matter what level of sin you find yourself in, when the lights come on and when your eyes are open, no matter your past, no matter your baggage, no matter what you have been through in your life, no matter how far you've gone into sin and debauchery, where there is sin, there is much more grace. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's why Simon couldn't understand. You know that Pharisee, that religious hypocrite, who when that, when that woman came who had a reputation, hello, yeah. whose sins were many, when she came to Jesus, he couldn't understand why she, he would even, if you're a prophet, you wouldn't even let that woman touch you. But what he didn't know, where sin did abound, that grace did much more abound. No matter the level of her sin, there was more grace. No matter what she did, there was more grace, sufficient and enough to... Woo! Say amen. You know what? I find grace all through the Bible. Do you know that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord? In the midst of destruction, in the midst of devastation, God's fixing to destroy the earth. Genesis 7, 6, verse 7. And the Lord said... I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Let's talk about that ark a minute. This ain't in the notes, but let's, let's just... Hey, that ark was protected. According to the Bible, it was pitched on the inside and on the outside. It's where we get our teaching of the atonement. I'm saved. The inside and the outside, I'm just covered all over because I am in Christ and Christ is in God. Preacher, what's the point? Listen, when they went into that ark, when they went into that ark, uh, uh, for, for, for some of you folks that are struggling with your, with your eternal security, you, you got to understand. He said, you get in. And then God shut the door. They were not on the outside holding on. They were not on the outside saying, hey, hang on with all you got. If we make it, we make it. We'll do the best we can. We'll hold on and hope for the best. No, sir. They wasn't holding on on the outside. They were safe and sound on the inside. God had shut the door, and when you get saved, you say, what's that all about? It's grace. Grace. Uh, son, Dad, you're going to have to preach the next one. Woo! How can you talk about this subject and not get excited? Listen, Noah found grace in the midst of destruction. Naomi found grace in the midst of death. Ruth found grace in the midst of despair. Thank God for grace. Woo! Hallelujah. Grace abounded in Lodibar with Mephibosheth. 
If you don't know what Lodibar is, it's a place of nothing. It's a place of desolation. It's where the grandson of Saul was. Jonathan's son. David takes the throne. And listen, in, 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 in the culture of that day, the next king would destroy the family of the former king to keep an uprising from taking place. But instead of going and destroying Mephibosheth, who was a cripple, who was an outcast, who was really a nothing, he could not contribute anything to the kingdom of David. Yet David came to where he was. David went to find him. And David carried him all the way back to the palace. David sat him at the king's table. And he ate the king's meat. And he experienced the grace of the king. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, me and you are Mephibosheth. We were in a place of nothing and desolation and despair. But King Jesus came to where we were. He took us to where he's going to be. He showed his amazing grace. Somebody say amen. Listen, grace abounded where there is sin. There will always be more grace. Grace abounded in Lodibar. Grace abounded at the well. Woman married five times, runs into Jesus. She's looking for love in all the wrong places. Say amen. Grace abounded at the tree with Zacchaeus. Yeah, that little short dude. He couldn't see over everybody, so he climbed a tree. He was a thief. He was a sinner. And Jesus came by and said, son, I'm going to your house today. He didn't care who he was. He didn't care that everybody in the world hated him. Because of grace, Jesus loved him. Grace abounded in the tree. Grace abounded in Simon's house with a woman whose sins were many. We talked about that already. Grace abounded on the dusty street where a woman caught in a very act of adultery was thrown at the feet of Jesus. Everybody with stones in their hand ready to stone her and destroy her and kill her. Jesus kneels down and writes in the dirt. Everybody's stones start to hit the floor and they broke camp. Jesus looked up and said, woman, where are thine accusers? She looks around, she says, there are none. Well, according to the law, you got to have witnesses. He says, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Grace abounded. Listen, grace abounded on the Damascus Road. Paul was destroying the church. Paul was wreaking havoc. The description is given as as an animal would mangle its prey. That's what the Apostle Paul was doing to the church, to new Christians. He was destroying them. He had a letter of, listen, of authority to go arrest Christians. And he was was having them crucified and having them burned at the stake and having them mangled by animals. They were being executed for their faith. Now, I, 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 maybe, maybe we can get a better understanding of this. The same things that ISIS is doing to Christians today, Paul was doing it then. And on the Damascus Road, <laughs> Paul ran head first into the grace of God. How could a murderer be turned into a missionary? Grace, grace. 
God's grace. How can a drunk sober up and change the world? The grace of God. What will put a family back together? The grace of God. What will change your life forever? What will get you off drugs? What will put your life back on the right track? The grace of God. Listen, for all of you here that are, are struggling... Say, preacher, but you just don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've been involved in. Let me tell you something. Where sin abounded, grace did. So what do you need to do? Today. Don't wait. Today. You need to come receive this grace. Because Jesus said, he that believeth not is condemned already. Grace, now let me say this. Everybody, I need your attention. I, I, I got extra time. I'm early. I talk real fast. Grace is of no effect unless you receive it. Grace doesn't work. Unless you accept it. Now I want to ask you today. Receive that grace. Receive that forgiveness. Receive. His mercy today.